All right, folks, welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast, your daily source for news, takes, analysis. I am your host, Ben Burnett, and joining me as always, my co-host, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, how about our boy, Connor Hellebuck, 28 save, shutout performance against the league-leading Edmonton Oilers. Are we feeling good about telling everyone to sell uh, to sell Hellebuck a few weeks ago? Um, I, you know, I, I think that we're still maybe in the right spot here. We don't want to think too much just from one particular game. Uh, we also saw some nice starts from Jonathan Quick and Devin Dubnik, uh, but I don't think I'm going to tell anybody to run out and pick those guys up right this second either. So uh, we're glad. I think that some of these guys are getting back on track a little bit, but uh, not ready to not ready to fully invest. I mean, Hellebuck, though, seven games so far this season, four wins, and a 929 save percentage through seven games. This isn't really just like one game. He's been pretty solid since we uh, kind of threw him. You know, we were we were pretty worried about him when Brossois got the back-to-back starts uh, in games two and three this season. But ever since, he's been pretty phenomenal with, uh, with five quality starts out of the last six games. I'm... Uh, I think that I am in a, I, I would want to sell high right now if I could. What do you think about that? Well, I got to say, I must have thrown him so far under the bus that I haven't bothered to uh, check in on his stats recently. I'm actually a little surprised that he's been doing so well, but that's great news, obviously. Uh, they're going to need that kind of goaltending probably more often than not, given the situation of the defense. Uh, in terms of a sell high, you know, if you can find a buyer, I think it's always worth uh, investigating what your options are there. Yeah, so for me, like if I could if I could flip uh Hellebuck for maybe a uh for a Philip Grubauer, for example, who he's he's eclipsing in safe percentage, um, that would be a, a deal that I would definitely make. And you know, you would just hopefully be able to get an a upgrade at forward or defense in in addition. And then yeah, I'd be I'd be shipping out Helly if I can. Lewis, this is the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast. As you know, I'm letting our listeners know as well. We're brought to you by the Locked On Sports Podcast Network. Uh Listen to any of the shows on our network and you'll get some insider insight on all of the teams in all of the leagues. Uh, Today we are going to talk about the weekend headlines. It's been a long weekend of awesome hockey action, so let's get into it. The first thing we wanted to talk about is the Alexander Barkov injury. So Barkov left the game, the Panthers game on Saturday with an injury in the first period. Are we worried about Alexander Barkov? So a couple of things about Barkov's season so far to this point. I think in the offseason, the the sort of conventional wisdom was that we were going to see Barkov uh, see some reduced minutes this year, uh, that he certainly was gonna, not going to shoot uh, the same percentage that he was able to, uh, and that maybe we would see his overall shots numbers come down a little bit. And so far, uh, we've seen the shots go down a touch, uh, not a ton different, but certainly not quite. He's uh, he's just over two shots per game, uh, so a little bit under his rates from last year. The time really has not been reduced. He's been over 20 minutes in each game except for the one where he was injured, uh, including some of his kind of signature 23-plus-minute games. Uh, I am thinking that things will get right for Barkov, assuming the injury doesn't linger. He's not far off a point per game, uh, even despite what's looking like uh, something of a slump here. We know that Florida can score. Uh, So I think things will get a little better for him when he gets off his 0% shooting percentage uh, and starts to regress a little bit towards his career 13.5%. 
Yeah, for sure. I think that Barkov is an interesting uh, buy low if you can get somebody who's a little bit freaked out about his injury. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure that the injury is much to worry about, but it could be. So Quenville said today that we won't know about, uh, we won't get an update until after the Panthers practice on Monday. So we're kind of uh, left in the lurch here. We don't have any info. Maybe we'll get to that on Tuesday's show. Yeah, you know, uh, I guess the one thing you're sort of worried about is that uh, Barkov has been something of a Band-Aid boy in the past, although the last couple of years he's maybe seemed like he had overcome that. Uh, so hopefully this isn't something that has him bouncing in and out of the lineup all year. Uh, and maybe it's the sort of thing where he, you know, takes the time to sort of get his game right a little bit and maybe uh, can straighten things out, the sort of injury vacation, the likes of which we saw um, from players like Matt Murray last year. Uh, where they came back and sort of had gotten some of the kinks out of their game and were really effective from that point forward. I hate this concept of an injury vacation. I think it's I think it's foolish narrative pushing, but I'll allow it. Uh, I'll allow it from you, Lewis. You're you're very kind to me, so I'll, I'll let you get away with it. Um, the other player who missed some time this weekend, we saw Philip Forsberg miss back to back games Thursday and Saturday. Um, no real word on what the injury is, but what a hot start from Forsberg. Five game, five goals and three assists to start the season. Um, he has a lower body injury. That's all we know. Are you worried about Phil at all? So I'm actually less worried about Philip as I am about the rest of the Predators scoring while he's out of the lineup. Uh, it seems like uh, their kind of bigger name forwards just have not been able to do much of anything uh, while Forsberg has been injured. So they've scored four goals in two games since then. Uh, Ryan Ellis has been excellent. He's assisted on each of the four goals. Um, but your goal scorers are Bonino, Fabro, Yossi, and Turris. Uh, while Rijo hasn't had a point and Duchesne has had one assist uh, during that time. So... Um, I think definitely your sort of star forwards for uh, the Predators are hoping that he can make a speedy recovery. Uh, as far as Forsberg himself, he's been really excellent. The only thing you worry about is that maybe the injury knocks him off of this uh, hot streak that he's been on. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Band-Aid boys, we see this every other year or so with Forsberg where he misses extended times with some type of malady. And I just hope that this doesn't kind of portend a um, a difficult injury. He started the year real hot last year. And then uh, when he came back, it wasn't he wasn't quite himself. Yeah, he was his point pace significantly deteriorated. Uh, Rijo and Duchesne both off to a strong start with seven points for Rijo in the first five and nine for Duchesne. I felt that the Duchesne hot start was a bit of a red herring, but I didn't expect each to fall off quite so hard this quickly. Um, Lewis, what do you think? Do you think we have a buy low opportunity here or is this more of a hold situation? Um, you know, I really like Duchesne if he's lined up like between Forsberg and Grandin like he has been. I think that's a really nice second line kind of spot. Um I I don't know how much I would be willing to spend on it just because Duchesne has been so all over the map with his points totals. He's like one of the most inconsistent players uh, in the league in terms of what scoring band they'll kind of hit. Is he going to be in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, maybe the 50s? Uh, probably not this year. But um, yeah, I, I am hesitant to to by low on a player whose highs and lows can be so widely varying. 
And woof, that uh, that top six depth really gets exposed once they lose Phil, who for sure is the the straw that stirs the drink in Nashville. You would think that Arvidsson really gets going here in short time. He's going to have hot stretches throughout the year, but I, I think that Phil is the guy in Nashville. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about some rookie defensemen, some young goaltenders, and more. You're listening to the Lockdown Fantasy Hockey Podcast. Welcome back to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast, your daily source for news, takes, analysis, Ben and Lewis. Lewis, next I wanted to talk to you about a couple of rookie defensemen. Uh, We'll start in Vancouver. Quinn Hughes landed on the top power play in Vancouver this weekend, and uh, he did pretty well. How are you feeling about Quinn's chances rest of season and kind of where are we at on the Quinn Hughes Express at this point? Well, it seems like every time he's out there, you can get some really nice clips of him uh, skating marvelously out there, uh, whether it's on the power play or otherwise. He's uh, a guy who does not hesitate uh, to move down into the offensive zone and create, which is really fun to see. Uh, He looked really nice in Sunday's game. He did get a power play assist. Um, You know, I'm hopeful as uh, a Hughes owner uh, in a couple leagues. Uh, I'd love to see him kind of hold on to the spot. I think he's, you know, a more exciting, but maybe a little less steady option than your Alex Edler. Uh, But he, unlike Edler, he's really going to need the power play time to be valuable to your lineup um, because he, like uh, the other guy that we're going to talk about, uh, doesn't give you a ton in terms of peripherals the way that an Alex Edler does. So without that power play time, uh, he could really be a drag on your roster. Yeah, and I mean, I'm happy to see him up on that top unit, but I kind of see this being a bit of a slugfest between him and Edler for that power play one spot all season. They're both going to get their chances there, but it kind of feels like unless this power play unit gets red hot, I can't really imagine they're going to run out the same configuration through the rest of the season. Yeah, you know, it certainly is a work in progress, right? And when you're dealing with rookies, uh, you know, you want to try to give them uh, opportunities to succeed. And so when there are times when the play may be more challenging or they're not going to be able to be as sheltered, that might be a spot to stick Edler in, uh, where Edler may be a little more responsible and help uh, Vancouver protect a lead, for instance. Sure, yeah, maybe a bit more of a steadying force. Um, Another rookie defenseman that we got to chat about, uh, Kale McCarr in Colorado has been much more productive in terms of points so far this season, uh, though he hasn't really been um, quite as productive or he's equally unproductive in peripherals. How are you feeling about Kale McCarr a few weeks into the season? So I think overall, I feel very positive about him. I think it's a good thing. There's a couple uh, items that have me a little worried. Um, One is sort of superficial and I don't think is a major issue. The other is a little more concerning. The superficial item uh, is that he's been under 15 minutes time on ice the last couple games. Uh, But I think certainly if you're holding a big lead, you can afford to leave your talented rookies on the bench uh, and let some people go out there and grind a little bit. Uh, I am a little worried about Makar's shooting rate. Uh, I've only got him for uh, a little bit under one shot per game. I think he's at seven shots in eight games. Uh, So that obviously is not great. We want to see him score some goals potentially this year. He hasn't been able to do that yet. Uh, So it remains to be seen uh, if he'll be able to be a contributor outside of your power play assists, which certainly have a lot of value. But if this was a guy that you maybe reached for, and hopefully you didn't have to, um, but that might be a bit of a disappointment. 
Yeah, I think in multi-cat leagues, he's going to be a bit of a bust, uh, just in the sense that he is either going to boom and pop off with, you know, a three-point game where you're stoked, or, you know, that Colorado power play goes a little dry, or he doesn't get involved on a certain night, and then you're getting a lot of zeros. So definitely, uh, you have high upside and low floor when it comes to Kale McCarr the rest of the season. Uh, As far as the time on ice, I'd be a little bit more nervous if, yeah, if he hadn't played 22 or 23 minutes in a few other games this season. I think it is worth keeping in mind, though. He, you know, he plays, what, like 35 games when he went to the Hobie Baker. So I understand why Bednar would want to pump the brakes a little when it comes to that deployment. Yeah, definitely. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, you don't want to wear him out. And if you've got that lead already in place, uh, you know, you're not putting him out there to try and generate more scoring chances necessarily. Let's move on to the other Hughes brother, Jack, in New Jersey. So Nico Hishier gets hurt. He's kind of out. It's a similar situation with Forsberg. We don't really know uh, how long he's gone. Um, But Hughes uh, ascends to that top line, top power play spot, gets a goal and an assist in his last two games in New Jersey. Um, How are we feeling about Jack Hughes at this point? Well, I, I, you know, we talked last week about wanting – to see like could Hughes produce in this position and would it be more advantageous for him and could he sort of show his metal in this spot and he has so far it looks like um makes me worried for Nico Hishier who might be in the process of getting Wally pipped of course Pip famously asked for aspirin uh, for a headache before a game in 1925 the manager gave him the night off and played Lou Gehrig instead and the rest is history uh, you know, if Hughes can keep producing, it seems like Hishier might be coming back to a second-line role. Uh, and with that offensive depth concern we've had about New Jersey, especially with Gusev not going off in the way that we hoped he would, uh, you know, that's a line-two role that looks a lot less appealing uh, than it did back in September. Uh, so I feel like that could be a drag on Hishier's production if indeed he loses out on that top-line center spot to Jack Hughes. Yeah, definitely. He shares way less interesting if he comes back and doesn't have that top power play spot, especially. Um, I'm not 100% ruling him out, even if Hughes is able to be productive. I think that they'll continue to want to... um, I think it's sort of a situation where they're going to want to see which player can be productive with Hall. Like They want all their guns firing, but especially you want that top line to be working. So I think that Taylor Hall will, uh, you know, the the team will go as Taylor Hall does. Um, When it comes to Nico Hishier, I mean, he signs a massive contract while he's injured. So definitely the the Devils haven't given up on Hishier, despite um, many fantasy owners choosing to do so over the last couple of years. Um, Speaking of, you know, that kind of less appealing second line in New Jersey. I have done it. I have cut ties with Nikita Gusev over the weekend. The Devils are off until Thursday, so they have five off nights before they play again. I could understand streaming Gusev back into the roster. However, under 10 minutes in both games played this weekend. Lewis, are you with me? Are you out on Nikita Gusev at this point? Yeah, I think I beat you to the punch uh, by about four days, maybe. Um, So, yeah, I've had Gusev out of my lineup for a little bit. It was in a league where I felt very confident that I could get him back if I needed to. Uh, I just have not felt the desire to do so yet. Uh, So, yeah, I think that's a spot where uh, if you, you know, have a a shallow enough league where you don't think someone's going to see that name and try to snatch him up, 
uh, he's certainly someone that I would stream out during this long break. The same goes for uh, Sammy Vatnin, even though he's been in that better position. I don't see any reason to hold on to him uh, through this uh, long week off unless you you know are way ahead on Monday and Tuesday. Um, yeah, so pretty much if you're not a Hughes, a Hall, a Subban maybe, uh, I'm probably willing to stream you out in terms of skaters. Wow, I... Oh, sorry, uh, Paul Mary, I should say. Yes, thank you. I was going to say, don't you dare slander my uh, number one, uh, my number one right winger, Kyle Palmieri, uh, the GOAT Kyle, as I call him. Uh, definitely don't be streaming out Kyle Palmieri, especially in bangers and mash leagues. Uh, he looks just the same as he always does. Hopefully he can stay healthy this year. Uh, coming up, folks, we'll talk about a couple of goaltenders and we'll speak about a new a centerman with fancy new deployment. You're listening to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast. All right, folks, you're listening to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast hosted by Ben Burnett and my partner, Lewis Ezekiel. Lewis, I want to chat with you about a couple of goaltenders. Uh, it's been two minutes since we've talked about the New Jersey Devils, so I need to get back into it. Mackenzie Blackwood seems to have kind of taken the reins, at least in the short term, when it comes to the goaltending job in New Jersey, still with an 886 save percentage on the season after a rough start. Uh, but in his last two games, a 935 and a perfect shutout against Vancouver yesterday or Saturday, I should say. How are we feeling about Mackenzie Blackwood? So I think Blackwood is a fine person to keep an eye on in the short term. If you don't already have him, I don't see why you would go and pick him up with um, this long layover sort of coming. Uh, I wonder, I assume that they'll go back to Blackwood for the first game. I don't see why they wouldn't. Um, but it'll be interesting to see sort of how it plays out because going to have a, a break kind of for both goalies to sort of get things uh, together. I think long term, I see Schneider as the safer pick uh, for the Devils. Um, maybe that's just wishful thinking, um, but he certainly has a more proven track record than we've seen from Blackwood. Uh, but Blackwood has led them to their first two victories of the season, and I think that's going to count for quite a bit uh, for a team that was really grasping for any sort of positive momentum. Yeah, I've streamed Schneider out in the leagues where I had him. I just don't see the point in holding on to him while he continues to be this dreadful. Um, there were high hopes coming into the season, and I'm not ruling out the fact that he could he could come back uh, after this kind of layover and be productive. But for me, I think it's, you know, they're going to ride Blackwood here. And, and you know, for Blackwood owners, hopefully he can be productive and we don't have to do this whole back and forth all season. I, I think that that's kind of what the Devils are looking for. And and for now, if you have Blackwood, then you, you got to ride him. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about Thatcher Demko uh, in Vancouver, the two uh, young goalies met in a game over the weekend. Uh, Demko has been fantastic in his first couple of games this season with Vancouver, posting a 943 save percentage and two wins in his first three games played. Uh, are you buying Thatcher Demko stocks? Not yet. We saw Markstrom come back uh, on Sunday and have a very strong game. Uh, I imagine that he will continue to get those starts moving forward. I don't think they're anxious to uh, drop Demko into the deep end here. Um, you know, I think he's shown that he might be able to, to shoulder a few more starts than maybe we expected. Um, but I would say that uh, Markstrom is very likely to get the bulk of the starts moving forward until something changes significantly. 
Yeah, I think this is the sort of situation. It's it's uh, Travis Green's, you know, his dream is to have two amazing goalies. So I'm sure he's stoked, but I don't think that he's, you know, trying to run Markstrom out of town um, based on Demko being good. It's it's perfect for them to have two goalies that they can turn to and, you know, trust each of them. So I agree, Markstrom, I think it's his job until he, he loses it. So I'm with you there. Uh, a third goaltender worth chatting about, Jonas Corposalo in Columbus, seems to have wrestled the starting gig. Are you adding shares of Jonas Corposalo? So he's certainly been interesting, uh, and I have a league where I'm kind of trying to grab a bunch of goaltending kind of lottery tickets and see if I can scratch off a winner from among them. Um, I am not ready to buy in on Corposalo yet, however. So Corposalo's games recently have been against the Stars, the Canes, and the Islanders. I've managed to beat the Stars and the Canes. Only one of those teams really has a pulse offensively in the Canes, and we haven't seen Sebastian Ajo kind of realize his potential for them yet so far this season. Uh, So I feel like those starts are a little bit of a mirage, um, you know, with him getting some, you know, 938 starts in there, which is great. Uh, and Merzlikens has been uninspiring, so I imagine that Corpusalo is going to get more starts over the next month, um, but I'm having a hard time believing that he'll keep those numbers up with teams like the Leafs, the Oilers, the Knights coming up uh, over the next couple of weeks. I think we're going to start to see uh, the the flimsiness of the, the base that this high save percentage is built on right now. I kind of disagree with you. I like Corpusalo in a spot where you can get uh, volume, especially in like a points league, a good amount for a save and not too uh, prohibitive of a knock against you with a goal against. So, you know, four straight quality starts for Corpusalo. I think that this Columbus team, they're not going to be inspiring to watch, but I think that they could be decent defensively. And uh, I could see, you know, I could see him carving out a pretty decent role uh, and a pretty decent spot. So speculatively, I'm okay with Corpusalo as an ad. Um, I wouldn't want to be trusting him to be my number one or my number two, but certainly I think he could be a decent number three. Uh, so looking at some goalies on teams that have some deficiencies, how might you rank Corpusalo, Blackwood, Crawford, and Varlamov? That's kind of tough. Uh, so Crawford is a situation where you're worried about the backup. Uh, Robin Lehner has looked proficient, and you could see them choosing to split starts. Um, Farlamov is a, in a situation where I think defensively they could be quite sound, but I worry about his body breaking down. So I think he would be at the bottom of my list. Blackwood is, again, a player who, you know, I'm buying him if I if I have space on the roster, but I'm not buying him to expect him to be excellent. It's more so just the long the season long upside. That's kind of where I am with Corpusalo as well. Uh, I think that Corpusalo has the easiest road to uh, heavy workload. So I think if I'm in a league that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, a points league that gives you lots of points for saves and starts, then Corpusolo is at the top of my list. If I were in a categories league where I have to prioritize rate stats, then I think uh, Crawford would be the number one guy of that group. Varlamov is the least interesting to me just because I don't trust him to stay healthy. And I think that Grice may be better than him already. And then Blackwood would be the speculative guy. Uh, I just think that Corbisalo has the strongest claim to that net uh, from here till the end of the season. 
Yeah, I think you're probably right, especially because Merz Lickens has not been uh, quite as exciting as we thought he might be. Absolutely. Lewis, we got one more storyline to get to. Uh, in Toronto, we've seen the ascendance of a new hockey superstar, Alexander Kerfoot, and you are not permitted to call him Alex, uh, has become the second center in lieu of John Tavares uh, with the finger injury that we discussed on Friday. Lewis, are we buying second center Alexander Kerfoot? So uh, very excited for Alexander. He's off to a great start uh, with a goal in his highest uh, number of minutes of the season at 1630. Um, I think if you're looking for someone to try to replace Tavares in the short term, I would look elsewhere. Um, consider maybe a Nazem Kadri as a possibility. That was very Midwestern pronunciation of his name. Um, <laughs> but uh He's been, he's a guy who is on that top power play and he's finally started to produce there a little bit. Um, so I think that he's kind of more appealing and not available uh, probably as frequently as Kerfoot is, but that would be someone I would look at first. I'm not super excited about Kerfoot knowing that he's probably not going to crack that top power play, but you know, I think at even strength, uh, this is one of your deeper teams with some, some effective wings. So he could be a, a good pickup in a deep league. Uh, if you're looking for someone who is on the rise, who can provide for you for a few weeks while Tavares is out. So Kerfoot playing with Mishaev and William Nylander on that second unit in Toronto. I agree. I think that he's an interesting spot. I think he should be owned in deeper leagues, but I don't think he's a must own for all teams. Uh, it is nice that he's triple eligible in Yahoo. I love that. But overall, uh, not losing my mind on Alexander Kerfoot until he pops up on that top power play unit. Lewis, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for chatting with me and thank all of you folks for listening. For Ben Burnett, uh, this has been the Lockdown Fantasy Hockey Podcast. Lewis, why don't you sign us out? All right. Well, please give us a follow at LO underscore fantasy NHL. Uh, we had a great time uh, with the mailbag last week, and we spent the weekend kind of catching up on some more of our questions. So I hope we got to everybody. Uh, please continue to send those questions in. That's one of the most interesting things we can do to get us to think about hockey. Uh, and it's one more way that we can help you be successful and win your day.